So I wanted to welcome all of you to Sunday service today. And I was just thinking as Pranabo was reading the words on acceptance that it couldn't come at a better time. <laughs> just remember those words and accept it in your heart and be free. <laughs> so I am Nayaswami Parvati. This is Nayaswami Pranabha. And joining us today is Badri, who is a minister and light bearer. He'll be doing the talk and the, sun, the uh, Festival of Light with Pranabha. I'd like to read now to you from Rays of the One Light for the topic of this week. Why tell God anything when he knows everything? Why offer God anything when he has everything? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ teaches, uh, teaches as the ideal prayer, one that addresses very human demands to God. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus himself says, just before suggesting this prayer, your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Why then his recommendation that we pray for anything? The answer is that we should offer ourselves up in acceptance of his abundance. Don't pester God as though pulling constantly on his sleeve to get his attention. Approach him with the confidence of a child in its parent. And in that spirit, then ask him lovingly, but with complete trust, as though demanding your birthright and without the slightest doubt in your mind that he wants only your best. For you don't have to persuade him the way a beggar or a stranger might. You are his own child. He knows everything already. He know, God knows everything already. He knows what is in your heart. It is you who need to clarify your feelings that you attune yourself to him in turn more clearly. For only by such clarity will you be able to receive perfectly what he gives you. For the same reason, we need to offer ourselves to him, not because he, because he needs anything from us, except, as Yogananda said, our love to complete his love for us, but because by self-giving, we expand our awareness from its confinement in the little ego outward to infinity. Those who partake of the nectar remaining after a sacrifice, says the Bhagavad Gita in the fourth chapter, attain to the infinite spirit. That person, however, who makes no sacrifices, never truly succeeds in enjoying even the blessings of this material world. How then could he attain happiness in subtler realms? Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. 
Good morning, everyone. I'd also like to welcome you to our Sunday service. It's a beautiful autumn day. Everyone here, it's a joy to be together at the Temple of Light and also to those of us uh, joining us online. <clears throat> we'll continue with the reading from Whispers from Eternity, most beautiful and simple prayer by Paramahansa Yogananda. With every stroke of my prayer, I move nearer to thee. Father, swimming in the sea of my craving for thee, I find myself beaten by the winds of severe trials, floating on cresting waves of pleasure and pain, then sinking down into the depths of indifference. I still keep looking for thy shoreless shore. With every stroke of my powerful prayer, I move nearer to thee. Never shall I give up. Thou thyself, I know, dost look for my coming. So today's topic, uh, why tell God anything, is a bit of a cheeky question, I would say. And uh, I thought of something that Swami Kriyananda said, uh, equally kind of cheeky, when he was asked by an interviewer, I believe it was in Los Angeles, who said on the topic of the guru, he said, do you really need a guru? And some of you will have heard this. Swami said, no, you don't need a guru unless you want to find God. And so, of course, you don't have to tell God anything. But, of course, as devotees, as Kriya Yogis, we need to frame everything in the reference of does it increase our self-realization? And perhaps to what extent does it increase our self-realization? And we have to take responsibility and accountability in our spiritual lives that we are really the drivers. We are in the driver's seat on our spiritual quest. And it was St. Augustine, I believe, who prayed or who, to at least to whom was attributed the prayer, very self-honest prayer, Lord, make me good, but not yet. <laughs> and then there was the little naughty boy in church who prayed, Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time, <laughs> just as I am. So, some of us, I think, in the world today are living this prayer, perhaps not even bothering to pray, just having a real good time. But naturally, as a father myself, with young children, getting older, but uh, as parents, we naturally relate to and think of this idea that we are all children before God, the one Father, Mother God. And this past week, my wife Gita, of course, the children's mother, has been away on a business trip uh, at a four-star yoga retreat in Costa Rica, all business, I'm sure. <laughs> but doing this single father thing, even just for a week, you know, and, and always, at, as there are many parents here and everyone can relate to on some level, there's the constant loving, caring presence for our children, isn't there? And it comes in a million ways that we care for and provide lovingly for our children. And it's a joy, it's a blessing to do so. And so this last week I've been making 
three meals a day and doing school busing and you know we're thinking of our children's safety and well-being and having fun and all these things and so as we're constantly providing of course in this analogy me I'm God which is a rather convenient <laughs> position to be in but do our children ever ever hold anything back from us well maybe a little bit but not really they let us know what's on their minds what's on their hearts they bear themselves to us constantly and as parents we like it that way even if it drives us nuts sometimes no doubt it drives God nuts the way some of his children behave but he wants to know what's on our hearts for our own well-being that's his loving call to us and as it says in the reading today remarkably Yogananda just explains this miracle of creation this remarkable thing that in all of God's infinite creation and wonder that the one thing he's lacking is our love you know how is that the one thing the mystery in this universe that all God wants for is our love and so as we bear ourselves to God so are we in turn blessed and of course we know it's not for his sake but for our own that everything we can offer to God is forever blessed and Yogananda emphasized the mother aspect of God which is very important not only in the world today as we know mother nature is in such an imbalanced state and there's a real imbalance of the male energy in this world but far more important than that is this individual relationship to God that the nearest and dearest mother is calling us home and that's the mother aspect of God that we really need to relate to and in giving that love to God that she will embrace us on her lap and bring us home and I was thinking of a great saint who embodied this mother aspect of God Ananda Moima and Swami Kriyananda our teacher and founder of Ananda of course he spent a good deal of time with Ananda Moima at one point and was supremely blessed by that experience and he shared and reflected that earlier in his life Swamiji when he was with Yogananda of course he was only 22 years old in 1948 when he met Yogananda and he although he brought a tremendous spiritual depth and maturity from past lives and in his soul he was a neophyte in certain respects at that time as a young man he said he didn't you hadn't heard the word guru or karma and so he went through some of the outward lessons of learning and growing spiritually that we all do when we come onto the path but later in his life years later after Yogananda had passed away when he was with Ananda Moima he had matured a great deal spiritually and he knew how to be with her in such a way that one can draw the power and the grace of a saint uh, from one's own spiritual maturity and greatness and Ananda Moima herself described it that like a beautiful lotus flower on a pond with many devotees coming and going she said Swami Kriyananda was like the one bee who came and flew and lighted there on the flower to sip of its nectar and he did so inwardly by tuning into Ananda Moima and 
again, Swamiji shared in his reflections, he said, if only I knew how to be with Yogananda in the way that I was with Ananda Moy Ma. But, of course, he didn't dwell on that, and neither should we. Nai Swami Jyotish said something poignant in a talk I was listening to just last night that he gave in, in India as they're wrapping up their time in India. Jyotish and Devi were doing a satsang and a ceremony on renunciation. And Jyotish said, he said, we're far more our spiritual aspirations than we are our current state of consciousness or awareness. And so it's not for any of us to dwell on what we might have been or how we might have been, but what we are now and far more than that, what we aspire to be in our love for God. And so also this book, Whispers from Eternity, which Jitendra touched on in his talk last week, gives us these incredible prayer demands which are so beautiful, not only in their extraordinary poetry and beauty, and also in their vibration, most importantly, which Yogananda explained he imbued with that power of God, but also in the way that they frame, as I said, this reference point, this context, for everything in life to move us towards God, especially when it's hard, but in all respects, that our our friendships and our sorrow, things like betrayal and suffering and loss, um, that every joy and sorrow, that every experience lead us closer to God. And so, as we increasingly bear ourselves before God, like an open heart surgeon, he can get us on the operating table and transform us in our hearts and in our minds. And what is it really that is holding us back from this process of bearing ourselves completely before God. Of course, invariably we come to the three-letter word, the ego, which is neither friend nor foe, really. It, it comes with its bundle of self-definitions, as Swamiji said, and as Yogananda said, it's our soul identified with the body. And so with that comes this complex web of karma and and desires and things that we are attached to or that we want. But ultimately, the soul attached to the body or identified with the body is still the soul. It still is that spark of God within us. And that's what we're drawing from in our aspiration, in our seeking God. And the ego, um, I saw this little cartoon that made me think of the ego where there's some kind of educated people at a dinner table, swapping stories, and one of them saying loudly, that's funny, I remember that story in a way that cast me in a better light, and aligns more with my worldview. <laughs> and, and Swami also shared about this little girl, he heard three or four years old once, talking to her mom, he overheard her saying, mommy, what, what is it that you, what do you think about, mom? So she's kind of being thoughtful, and her mom said, well, I think about you, honey. I think about your brother and your father, and I think about my work and our life. And the little girl said, that's good, mom. I just think about me. <laughs> <laughs> and so most of us have moved, moved past the state that we just think about ourselves, but there are going to be some of those tendencies that are self-centered. And that's not always a bad thing. It 
kind of can be, but really it's trying to move us more towards God. And we are thinking of others, and we're not dwelling on those things that keep us bound to ourselves. And increasingly, we find this great joy that comes from being nobody. Um, I came across this magnificent quote from Swami Kriyananda where he says, I have found that the less I think of me, the more God thinks of me. And he says, it's really quite amazing. Life becomes a song of joy when you live in this way. The less I think of me, the more God thinks of me. Oh, and he says, and everything works out right. He said, everything works out right and life becomes a song of joy. And so increasingly, there's less and less of us that is bound by this thing called the ego. And it's just like an old friend along for the ride. And ultimately, it is a practice of Kriya Yoga, of course, and a practice of devotion, which Yogananda says works like mathematics and cannot fail, that will bring us to God. And Kriya Yoga, it says in the autobiography of a yogi, this wonderful quote that the Kriya Yoga, the scientific practice of God realization, will ultimately spread through all lands, harmonizing the nations, and through man's personal transcendental perception of the infinite Father. So that's a mouthful, but it's this magnificent, overarching mission of Kriya Yoga to raise consciousness throughout the world. And through our own personal perception and seeking of God. And so that's both the destiny of Kriya Yoga, of our spiritual path, and of us individually, that we will be channels for this great sweeping wave of consciousness over the earth, which will aid in finding God. And where it says this in the autobiography of a yogi, and who says it, perhaps most importantly, is none other than Mahavatar Babaji. And Babaji says this at a point in the autobiography which Jitendra touched on last week, again sharing the story where Yogananda is called to America. And Yogananda, being a self-realized guru, had this inspiration, this divine vision of going to the West, this mission of Kriya. And as Jitendra said, he went to his guru, Sri Yukteswar, to seek his blessings and to seek his guidance in this endeavor. But there's one more thing that transpired after that, is that the next morning, Yogananda prayed long and deep. He said so determined was he to receive a response from God on this subject that he would die praying. And so what is it? Of course, as time passes, there's a knock on the door, and it's Babaji, and he says, you can go, and he says these words, you have my blessing. What is it that would compel an avatar? He received a vision directly from God. He went to his self-realized guru, also an avatar, got his blessing. Then he's determined to die praying. He's so desperate to receive a response from God. Of course, this is instructive to us. The way and the depth in which we must pray to God unceasingly that 
with all of our hearts, we would seek a response from God. And of course, on a mission of this level of greatness, Yogananda wasn't just making triple sure. He was opening this tremendous flow of grace and blessings for the world, for all of us, that God himself, through Yogananda, through Yukteswar, through Babaji, through Lahiri Mahashai, through Christ himself, would send this wave of Kriya Yoga, of consciousness, of love for God into the world. And it's here with us now. It's what we're doing now. And in the Bible, Christ says, there are no assurances in the world. There's only assurances in the Father. And this is the other aspect of God, of course, in his dual nature. The mother is dear and near. The Father is infinite. And not only within all creation as the Christ consciousness, but beyond all creation. Um, another little family saying, a fellow father shared with me, he said, your mother, there is no other. Your father, don't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> so some of us fathers sometimes relate to that, but it's not really true. A little hyperbole, for, perhaps. But there is this aspect of God that we relate to that's impersonal, that's beyond all creation. And that is still dear to us, ever dear, as, as Christ brought this tremendous devotion to God, but that is the impersonal will of the infinite Father. And the Father aspect of God may know and may be everything, in fact, but it is we that need to increase our knowing, as Yogananda says, increase our realization. And of course we do this through Kriya practice, through devotion, and through this gradual process of just letting go of the ego, of being little, of not thinking of ourselves, and living in this song of joy. And towards the end of the uh, Bhagavad Gita, it says, of course, Krishna speaking to Arjuna, and God in turn speaking to all of us. He says that you shall attain me. He says, you're ever nearest and you are ever dear to me. And he says, I promise you shall attain me. And what a dear promise this is. And as it says in Whispers from Eternity here in this reading, that we shall never ever give up and that God looketh for our coming. Altissimo, omnipotente, buon Signore, Tue son le laude, la gloria et l'onore, et ogni benedizione, et ogni benedizione, a te solo, se Dio mio Signore, cum tutte le tue creature, 
specialmente messerlo frate sole, la quale giorna et illumina lui per lui. Petello e bello e tradiante, cum grande splendore de te, Signore, porta significazione. Laudato sia Yeah. <laughs>